0: This episode is brought to you by Certified Piedmontese Beef. Listen up, foodies. Make your next meal even better with real Nebraska beef. They have healthy, tender, delicious Italian heritage beef, grass-fed and sustainably raised on lush pastures in the Midwest. You can even create your own personally curated meat box that's shipped right to your door. To get two free steaks with any purchase over $50, use the code FREEBEEF at checkout. Learn more and shop exclusively at cpbeef.com.
1: This episode is brought to you by FX's The Bear. The hit series returns with Jeremy Allen White in the Golden Globe winning role of Carmi. He and the team will transform their family sandwich shop into a next level spot, all while being forced to come together in new ways as they confront their past and reckon with who they want to be in the future. FX's The Bear. All episodes now streaming only on Hulu.
0: Hello and welcome to One For The Road with me, Sober Dave. I'm going to be talking to some incredible guests over the next few weeks, all of whom have made the decision to look at their relationship with alcohol and take steps towards a positive change. My guests are all at different points in their journey, but all have powerful and uplifting stories to share. And that's why I hope you find each episode a valuable source of inspiration and insight. My sponsors for season three of One for the Road are the amazing Rock Sober, a brand established in 2017 and led by our brothers Sean and Lee, who are both in recovery and on a shared mission to inspire and support recovering addicts worldwide. Injecting rock and roll into sobriety, Rock Sober offers merchandise and accessories to inspire and empower its community of sober badasses. The boys have recently launched a new range of alcohol-free beers which are taking the market by storm. Every beer purchased will help Rock Sober on their mission to support and inspire more people in recovery. Their message is clear, you don't need alcohol to have a good time. So let's all Rock Sober and remember the good times with Rock Sober AF Drinks. My guest today is an incredible motivator in the sober community making sobriety something you will want to do rather than having to do. He really wants to help people live a better life. The clue is in the title there. It gives me great pleasure to introduce this week's guest on One For The Road, Mr. Matt Pink. So welcome, Matt, to my podcast, One for the Road. How are you on this fine Monday? I'm very well, thank you, mate. How are you? I'm good. What have you been up to? We normally hung over on a Monday back in the day, so it's all very different for both of us, isn't it?
1: It is, mate. Yeah, I feel like a kid this morning. I went out, stole my missus's bike, took it for a spin, Went to the gym, did a workout, had a sauna, Went rode my bike to Aldi, bought some smoothie ingredients, rode it home, um, and now I'm here, mate. So, yeah, it's been a productive, healthy morning so far. Rock and roll, man. (laughs) That's what I'm saying. I'm nearly 40 and I'm riding around on a bike with a bag hanging off the end.
0: (laughs) (laughs) That's what surprise is all about. So... I always like to wind it back, mate, and uh I know you in the world of Instagram and you're doing great work, but I'd really love to know as well as my listeners, I imagine, um, how it started for you, where you were born, what your upbringing was
1: like. Yeah, of course. Um, so yeah, I was born in America, which is a bit of a little known fact, it's a bit random because my parents were living out there. So they lived they moved out to Salt Lake City, um, which is again random, but they lived there for a few years, had us, me and my sister, twin sister um and then eventually moved back to the uk had a great upbringing lived in a lovely little cul-de-sac couldn't have asked for more really um i had a, tw- I had a twin sister and another sister and yeah like played football a lot when i was a kid my sister was doing dancing and it was like a traditional thing where we'd sit around the table afterwards and have a good old chat and then yeah moved out quite early moved out when i was about 16 uh moved in with a girlfriend and then kind of from there i suppose in drinking terms i suppose that's when it started getting a bit heavy because we're well, not heavy but like into the world of adulthood if you like that step change from moving out your parents into. hang on a minute i can have a glass of wine i'm living on my own here this is my house so yeah, and that, that was kind like of the first first 20 years. And then the next kind of 15 years looked a lot different.
0: Do you feel like it was pretty normal your drinking when you was that age, or did you used to drink a bit too much?
1: Yeah, so my my drinking was really like normal um in the UK. What you know, my parents drank, they drank every weekend. Like I grew up knowing that I'm looking forward to the fact that I was gonna drink, looking forward to having my own house, have my own people around cooking and having a glass of wine with them. And then at weekends, having barbecues and drinking, and that was just what I'd seen growing up. So that was what I was looking forward to doing myself. But like I said, I played football. So I was kind of semi-fit and semi-good at football, but also I was partying at the weekend and doing that traditional sort of Friday, Saturday night thing. Um, and it was only really, as I got to my late 20s, my 30s, that that drinking, I always say, it went from something I wanted to something I needed. And that was around like when my life turned upside down in, in 2013. I don't know if you want me to go there yet.
0: You go there, mate. It's important for what you have to say.
1: Yeah, of course, it is. and it forms like part. It forms really what what I'm all about today. Because although it's a tragic mm. story, it's um it's really where it all turned upside down for me. So at, at the at the year of 2012, I was married. I bought my own house. I was living in a nice house, nice area, I had a good job, traveling around the country, earning good money. Had a daughter in 2009, then had a son in 2012. So I was like married, 2.4 children. Had a really like perfect life really, what I was after. And again, my drinking at this point was was probably heavier than it was in my early 20s. It was more into that sort of middle-aged drinking where I'll probably have a few pints in the week rather than leave it all to the weekend. Um, and then, yeah, t- 2013 in April, my, my son that we had in 2012 had, um, just tragically died in his sleep. Um, of cot death or SIDS as it's known, sudden infant death syndrome. Um, and he was four and a half months old, which is quite old actually for like that to yeah. happen. I thought we were well out of the woods for that. Um, and then in that moment, yeah, everything changed. Like like I talk about in my book really, like, everything changed a like, lot on the spot. And it was like, okay. And then what what we don't plan for stuff like that, obviously you look around and you're like, oh, I, you know, my mum and dad who I've always to for like support and guidance are crumbled you know my wife at the time she was distraught everywhere you look everyone's broken and so you think shit like what do i do here and and i remember someone giving me some advice and they said they said that time is a healer Uh, and i thought right if time's a healer i'm just going to drink my way through a couple of years come out the other end i'll be golden and i'll be off into the sunset i'll feel much better and obviously i didn't i that was what I did. And I literally, you know, I worked. I put everything I had into the house because I thought I had this real urge. So I've got to protect my family. I've got to keep my house. I've got to, like, make everything keep going. So I put a lot of effort and time into my work. And I put a lot of effort and time when I finished work into basically drinking and trying to get to the next day. And ticking the days off until I got to this magic two-year number where I think I feel better. But the work I do, my trade is fashion in the West End. And that obviously is party town. That's why I got into it. So I was chucking myself into it. I was also surrounded by bars, restaurants, pubs, clubs, drink, drugs, everything you can imagine um, and everything I loved about it at one point. So that was what I threw myself into that. It was, um, it was a dangerous ground, really, because I, straight after work, it was easy to go for a drink. And then on the way home from the train home, I was drinking on the train. home, and I'd get home and I wouldn't want that. I'd be scared of going to sleep. So I'd have another nightcap to make sure I was out flat out. To then go and repeat the process the next day. Um and I did this for a long time. And whilst you know I was a functioning drinker, I wouldn't say alcohol it because I think that's just a, a, a moment in time and I know it's a dodgy label, but you know I was I was doing a very good job at work. I was doing a very good job financially, but I was also doing a very good job ruining my liver. Um, and yeah, that kind of went on for a few years and that, that led to me sort of doing more like I was getting on the gear and you know everything that everyone that you do you do after you You've had enough of the drink and you start smoking, you have a bit of gear. And then you know it ultimately ended up with me just sort of like thinking, fuck it, I've just lost, I've just lost all respect for myself. And it took a few years to get there. But when I did, I just, my wife kicked me out. She's like, I've had enough of you and, you know, you're drinking too much, you're not here. We, we had our own problems, through, which were all stemmed from Rocco's death and also then the drink on top and also just both of our acute grief which then just meant that was finished. The house was gone. I was no longer living with my kids. And that was like the moment for me. I thought, right, I'm a, a bit of a rock bottom moment here. And that was where my life went. So that was a real tragic sort of like five five years or so. Well,
0: I was going to say, we winded back there to this magic two years of sort of grieving through alcohol. is was actually you were delaying all of it, wasn't you? Because you were just blunting your emotions but not only that um i was going to ask if you don't mind me asking was how was it for your wife when you wasn't present either because i i'm asking that question because when my wife went through cancer for the second time i wasn't emotionally available for her either because i was putting all my feelings first and was literally getting drunk every single night falling asleep on the sofa And I I kind of cringe thinking about it now that what it must have been like for her at Mm. night on her own when I'm downstairs snoring.
1: Yeah, no, exactly, man. I think she she would obviously lean on drink as well. So we were both doing our own thing, trying to ultimately do the best job we could, but just not communicating because Mm. we were just locked in our own little chambers. And that's what led to the downfall. So yeah, I imagine it's as difficult. Nobody goes into that situation trying to do a bad job you're all trying oh. to do your best but ultimately it just fell apart
0: and it, and it's what we use for coping strategies isn't it alcohol it's like because we're in a way we're ill educated and we don't know anything different so it's like a comfort blanket and when you drink it it takes away that pain virtually immediately doesn't it yeah uh, it does, exactly. you wake up three o'clock in the morning and it's ten times worse
1: exactly mate and then you like literally just in a nightmare because you can't get back to sleep. And then you, a few times that happened to me at two in the morning, you wake up and you're like, do I have a drink or do I get up and have a coffee? And that's why I'm like, moments you just can't make your yeah. mind up. Yeah. Um, ultimately, just exhausted more than anything. Uh,
0: and what proves here is from the, the day that Paul Rocco died, it just got worse, didn't it? it you know, yeah. like because of your drinking, your wife's drinking, then you split up and then lost the house. And then it just escalated like a domino effect didn't it
1: yeah it was it was a terrible move ultimately which but also completely unsurprising and i think a lot of people go through the same thing and also like, there isn't a there wasn't a massive amount of choice like what else do you really do like life goes on the bills still come through the letterbox mm. the next day you, that's the thing that shocked me the most of the time i thought you you get a bit of you know time but you don't life continues the day after you know you've mm. got things to do play commitments in place and yeah that was that really everything got worse i ended, ended up with financially got worse you know my, my health got worse i was putting in on weight got worse My mental health was shot to bits my relationships were in bits every every single part of it got worse all because i went down the drinking route um mm-hmm. and it weren't until i stopped drinking that i started to well even cut down on drinking that i started to actually heal so i, I basically just held those five years i didn't got anywhere with them i haven't got, got any further down the line I would probably further back, if anything. Yeah. And it was when I when I stopped or took a break from drinking. That was when I was like, right. And I had a lot to say and a lot to talk about, and a lot to get off my chest.
0: What was the defining moment then? Was it just because you had enough or
1: so this is a bit of a woo-woo story, it's a bit of madness. But basically, when he died, um, I couldn't find comfort in anything. Nothing would nothing would sort of solve it. And the one thing like my mum and sister had always been to like see mediums and spiritualists. Mm. And I thought it was just a load of shit. I thought they'd just tell you the great man wants to speak to, her. and obviously she's dead, right? So I just thought, yeah, whatever. But I'd seen them over the years, like coming home, and they'd be quite emotional, and they'd be loving, and they, they would say some some funny old stuff. And I thought, nah. And, and but in the act of desperation, I was like, Do you know, I want to give it a try. So I booked a spiritual appointment with this woman, and I went there, and this was quite soon after he died, to be fair. And she was like really, really good. She she didn't know who I was. She sort of held my hand. She was like, Look, I've got and she sort of called out he was there, but like, out of nowhere. How would you know that? And she was saying he was with whoever it was, telling me this whole story. And it made me feel really like relieved and like comforted because she was like, He's all right, he's all right, darling. Don't worry, like and he's fine, he, he's a reoccurring spirit, and like basically really like played it down and he was in and out of there all the time. And I thought, at least I know he's all right, that's one of the things you you don't know when someone dies. You just like you just have this weird thing. You're like, fucking, especially when it's your kid, you're like, is, is he all right? That's the biggest yeah. thing. So so when I went there, when I left her, I said to her, look, I've really enjoyed this in a way, and I've really like found a real benefit from it. Can I come back? And she held my hand and she said, Don't worry, darling, you don't need to come back. If we need you, we'll come to you. So I left that room thinking, okay, I feel much better. But went back to drinking, sort of almost forgot about it at my period when I was out of the house I was sofa surfing I was in bars in the west end with literally a bag full of stuff I didn't know where I was staying night for night and everything was all over and I was at rock bottom I um I was outside a pub that I always used to drink in and uh I was stood outside there in fact and this guy comes over and he just comes out of nowhere and I was standing with my my mate Ryan luckily because I think no one believed the story otherwise and he came up to me and he was just like I need to speak to you I need to speak to you he's like a total stranger he was like you you've got a lot to give in this world there's a lot of good you can do in this world you have got to stop your bad habits, and he was like pointing to like smoking, sniffing, drinking, whatever. You stop that, you could do a lot of good in this world. You're you're supposed to be here. You've got a real purpose, and you. He goes, and, and I'd recently started seeing a girl who's now my wife, Kirsty, but I was like thinking, God, do I get into a relationship? I'm I'm in bits here, so I was like, didn't really know what to do. And he was like, there's a girl you've been seeing. Her, her name's Kay. Kay, and he told me all of this stuff, and it just goes on forever. Told me I was close to a flower. My daughter's called Lily. Wrote down all his stuff on a bit of paper, screwed it up in my hand, and basically, cut a long story short, he just left me. He, he just sort of disappeared, and he left me with this feeling of like purpose, and I was back. It's almost like someone had picked me up and put me back on a track. Yeah, and I thought, yeah, fucking right, I've got something to do here. And and then I was like, and so I literally called Kirsty. I went, went met I ended up moving in with her pretty much straight away. We're now married, and. That was the first time I thought, right, when he told me to he just directly said, You stop this, stop this, stop this. Mm. And and when he told me, I was like, Yeah, dude, you're right, actually. I've had enough of this Mm. shit. And um, and that was it. And then when I met her, and this was the really important bit really, she was obviously totally independent. She didn't know me, she didn't know him, she didn't know any of the situation. She just she just saw me on Tinder mate, and she she just swiped right. You know what I mean? She, She was um that's all she was in, she knew of me. She just that was how we met. And then when we started spending time together, I was like, I really like her. And she really liked me. And we just had this click and this bond. But we were drinking together. And I found myself talking to her. I was like, starting to be really emotional. And I was like, everything that I'd held in for five years was just coming out. Mm. And I was just, I couldn't stop speaking. We would we'd, we'd stuff all night drinking. And she would just listen. I'd talk. We'd, she'd cry. I'd cry. We'd cry. And then every time I did it, I was like, I feel better. I feel better. And I, I found like someone I could talk to. Um, and we went through that for a period of months of like doing it and then as, as the months went on and the sort of load lifted off my back I was like I think I one day I thought Do you know what? I don't me my drinks though like Jesus told me not to drink I feel good feel better so I had a couple of days off but then the next week did a couple more days off and then the next week I joined a gym and then from there I started listening to podcasts I started and then I got my mojo back. And then it was all from there, it just stemmed. And then the, my breaks from alcohol were like two, three days. But then I'd still smash it for two, three days, drinking as well. But I became conscious drinker. So I was drinking and I was going, actually, I do, not, do I want this? Is this nice? Am I enjoying this? How do I feel? What's it doing to my next day? And then when I was not drinking, I was consciously not drinking. So I was going, how do I feel when I wake up? I feel better. How do I feel when I go to the gym? I feel amazing. And then I was doing that for a period of time. And then after a while, I just realized it all came to me and one, like, it came to a head, I suppose. On one day, I woke up in April in 2020. I thought, that's it. Done. And didn't plan it. Didn't think it was going to be that day. Just woke up and I ain't looked back since. And that's been obviously nearly the best part of two years now.
0: That's incredible because I I didn't have an identical story. I had a similar one where a good friend of mine who was very spiritual um, and he would tell you something similar to what that guy told you outside that pub he had incredible intuition and um he said to me one night uh we were out having a meal and he he said it was almost like a message he received and he said I've got this burning urge to tell you that something absolutely incredible is going to happen to you soon I don't know what it is I don't know what it is But I'm telling you, something is going to completely change your life. Right. And I was like drinking then going down. Oh, I wonder what that is, you know, going down the money route or something like that. But it was in the January after that, that he texts me and said to me about joining him for three months to stop drinking. And it was just because it was him. I didn't sort of relate the two together, you know, until later on. But it's because of the way he framed it to me that it it made me think about, I wonder how I would be in three months. You know, I kind of visualized it. And I've had 40 years, you know, I've been drinking more than you've been here of boozing, losing relationships, having several rock bottoms, health scares. You know, I've done it all, really. And that's what changed it for me. and. It goes to show what happened to you and me is these pivotal moments can come out of nowhere and they can shape the rest of your life can't they
1: yeah 100 percent. and what what i think's the message out of that as well is like whatever although it's a horrific situation i wouldn't be the person i am now with such a hungry desire to help the world if i that had happened so i think the ultimate piece of gratitude that i found recently is actually being grateful for an experience being grateful to have rocco for four and a half months being grateful for him to ultimately give me the platform i've got now and this desire to go and help thousands and millions of people around the world so yeah it can come out of nowhere and it ultimately whatever happens to you is all for a reason it's all for a purpose so
0: about how's your healing been since you've stopped drinking
1: well i think i did a lot of it like, and like I said, when I was talking to Kirsty on those long nights of drinking, but I think what I've worked on since drinking is myself. Like, rather than trying to catch up to where I should be, I worked on building myself from where I was to where I am now, which is like ahead of the game. And that's what I've been focusing on. So, like, I'm working on personal development sort of every day and journaling and goals and ambitions. And my physical, you know, I'm working at a gym six times a week and I'm obviously trying to film my body with as many nutrients as I can. And that's, that's healing myself in a different kind of way and i'm feeling incredible for that and again i feel arguably better than i ever did pre pre rocco dying and again it's almost something to be thankful for there as well so i think that's that and that's the beautiful thing about that is it's only like i said under two years so where am i going to be on this journey and my healing in four or five years it's quite incredible to think about really
0: it doesn't end mate it's there's no finish line with it and you know like I said on a post the other day about cycling a bike up a hill you either throw it in the bush or you crack on with your head down even if it's raining you know and the self-development is incredible because the more you go forward the more you learn about yourself the more you learn about other people and you're only what 38 did you say yeah so it'd be easy for me to say oh I wish I was 38 but again I wasn't ready then you know I have to be where I am today to help the people I help because I've got that extra experience of what I went through and I can really use that to mine and everyone else's advantage where you've got the younger view and then you get people like Katie McNichol who's 26 and she's got her view you know so it's such an incredible community of people that we got and we look at the squares and People often comment about social media in a negative way, but in our communities, it's so amazing, isn't it?
1: It is, mate, yeah. And I think that's the beautiful thing about it is I've just done head first into it and I have I see no like competition with anyone. I see no animosity with anyone other than people that are drinking. But in the sober world, I just want to connect with you, with Katie, with Abby, with Andy, with whoever it is, all these amazing people. And whenever I talk to any one of you, it's just this amazing like pull, and I think that's because we know that we've we've got it. Like sobriety, you're pissing in the wind, aren't you? The world's drinking, you're not, and we're in the minority. And I think that pulls us so tightly together. And I think we're going to do amazing things individually, but also yeah. as a team. As a team.
0: Yeah, I agree with you. There's no ego there, and I think what it is is because we've led such an insular life. With our drinking, you know, like I was thinking today um, about the film Castaway with Tom Hanks, that he was on this island waiting for the ship to come and rescue him. Right. But actually, you have to rescue yourself first and you you, you can't get people expected people to come and rescue you. And where that starts is by being really true to yourself and honest is that um is this actually working for me anymore because when you're young and you're going out partying you are enjoying and you're actually having fun aren't you but then it goes over the line of actually a coping mechanism whatever reason um and some people find reasons don't they like we're, we're all there for for making excuses aren't we We've had a good yeah. day, bad day, we've had anything day. How can you not drink an holiday? It's my birthday soon. It's Christmas. Of course I'm going to drink and whatever. But when you actually own it yourself and you go, this really is not working for me anymore, that's when you can move forward, isn't
1: it? Exactly. And that's what I'm doing a lot of at the minute. So many people ask me all the time. They say, "Like I don't know why you put it, ramming it down everyone's throat. You know, some people can moderate and some, you know, it doesn't affect me. And the question I always ask them is like, are you are you financially, mentally, physically perfect? Uh, are you functioning at a high level on all of those things? If your mental health is, is brilliant and your physical health is brilliant and you feel great and you've got great connections and relationships with people and you drink, like fair play. Good for you. That's amazing. You're in the minority, but well done, like literally well done. But if you're not, which you won't be, by the way, then give it, like, give it a break. Give it a break for a month, three months, ideally six months, and then come back to me and tell me how you're scoring on those things. And there's no contest. And the beautiful thing about sobriety is the end product is always perfect. Like, you know, you can't complain. No one's ever going to bring it refund because you've told yeah. them to go sober. Everyone loves it when they're sober. It's just getting them over the line, get them to realize that as well. Because that's what I think me and you have in common as well. Is like, I don't deal with people that are high, high like addicts that I really need to go to AA or get professional help. I deal with people that just want to live a better life. That's why I called myself a better life guy. So yeah, you might not need to, you might think you're all right, but if you don't give sobriety a go for a period of time, you're never going to know. And I think that's where people are starting to sort of clock on. And there's obviously a big thing about mental health and physical health at the minute. And people are starting to go, you know what? I'm listening to all these podcasts. I'm sleeping as many hours as I'm supposed to sleep. I'm eating what I'm supposed to, but I still feel like shit and I still feel mentally foggy. And they're not making the connection. But it's only now, I think, because again, because the good work we're all doing and we're really flying the flag, yeah. starting to wake people up, people are making the connection and we're starting to make move, move the old needle.
0: Well, I was going to suggest to you actually about working forward as men as well, that we could do a lot more in that area of the community. Because what's it like for you at 38, as in your mates speaking about their mental health? Because I'm at that era, you know, I'm not Victorian, but I'm in the. The era that men really don't, you know, they don't. It's old school. You know, we we don't cry. We don't talk about our feelings. We roll our sleeves up and get on with it. And that's why I think I do so well, because I'm an open book and I don't worry about speaking about my feelings. But do you find that uh, there's more people your age that are open to talking about theirs?
1: No, I don't actually. I don't think there's ever been a bloke I've known who's opened up about the mental health, and I haven't really either it's weird because I think people do it more online than they do offline. Um, I'd be more inclined to put comment about something. If I was feeling you know bad that day, then I would be to pick up a phone and tell a mate. And mm-hmm. I think that's, that's definitely a male thing. And the weird thing is, I don't know about your, follow, but my following is 75% female, 25% male. And I, and then the AA stats are the way around. So like 75% of people in AA are male and 25 a female and I think for that that's always an interesting fact that I sort of quote because I find that fascinating because I think that just tells it that cements the story doesn't it because people blokes generally wait until it's too late then they go to AA females are much more um, open-minded to the world of sobriety and much more like follow me and you and they'll see what it's all about and they'll maybe have a little dabble and then they won't end up in AA because they'll have a break and they'll realize that that's the way they need to go so I find it fascinating really but I think there's definitely blokes that are sort of watching us um, and they're taking something from it, but I still don't think they're actually talking about it.
0: No, you're right, mate. And the AA stats are fascinating as well, because my followers, I, I'm actually um, 87% female, 13% men, but I know mm. that um, I'm better looking than you. No, <laughs> AJ, mate. No, I know um, uh, that I get a lot of curtain twitches. So I, I get DMs from men, like saying, look, mate, I, I've got this problem. But I also know, like, because, you know, I'm a grey air drinking coach and there's a reason for that because I'm not qualified to deal with the hardcore drinkers that I was, which sounds ironic, but on paper I needed more help. I, You know, I've got ex- amazing willpower and strength of mind uh, and that's how I think I dug myself out of the hole. But I know a lot of people that would be drinking a litre of vodka a night like me would need medical help plus professional help to stop drinking. So the grey area drinking, I find, are more women because they talk more, they're more honest and open about their issues, right? Where men are drinking themselves through it and, like you say, will hit a rock bottom, like I did several times before they think, do you know what, this has got to stop, so it's really, really interesting, and I'm a little bit surprised actually that you know you're a generation after me that things haven't changed, and that's pretty bad actually, isn't it?
1: Yeah, and I think you're right. There's things that we can do together with other male males in the community and try and work on that. Because I think that's just the next the next step in it. I think everyone's doing a great job individually. What can me and you do together to target men, or what can do? You know what I mean, like, what can we set up as a team? to open the door, make it easier. Because ultimately, that's the thing. What What is there in place for males to talk, really? Is you've got to come to one of our things, you know, select us as a coach, you know, open, go through a lot of hoops to get there, and actually blokes just don't do that. It needs uh-huh. to be like, it needs to be a much easier platform uh, and it needs to be accessible. And other people need to do it, and we need to celebrate it.
0: Well, you know, Josh Conley is a good friend of mine, and um, he he holds his breathwork classes, master classes, and uh, I went to one of them few weeks ago and it was a group of men in a circle but this was breath work right so you weren't really forced to talk about anything because it is an internal thing that you would breathe and then you would let your emotions out by screaming at the end but the irony was was that I thought if this was a men's circle about talking about feelings there'd probably be a a third of the um, people turn up you know so there's a real thing but what I've also learned as well you can't force it because that I've known so many people who have tried to make up men's groups and they just haven't worked. So I think probably the best thing to do is be role models and just keep on talking ourselves and encourage men that it can be a safe space to open up and, and be vulnerable and comfortable with our own feelings because we're the proof that we do it and it's okay, you know? Mm. And I think yeah. maybe that's the way forward is to just, keep banging the drum. But look, mate, you've also written a book, haven't you?
1: I have, yeah. Better me, better you, I wrote that when that. so when I went sober in April 2020, I just had this like real hunger and desire that I needed to put my story down on pen and paper because it is as much as it's tragic and it's deep, like that that makes it almost a good story for people to let chums. What I wanted to do was say, do you know what my I've had to bury my own boy and there ain't much worse than that in life. And uh, I actually I've come out the other end of it and now I'm thriving. So the idea is that it's an extreme example of how life can be shit and you know, you can get to be much better. And also I've written it in a style, uh, in a bloke style really, because I've written it just me, I haven't had it like helped by anyone. I've just written it about me, by you, because what I want to do is break it down into sections chronologically and say, this is what I did for mindset, personal development, whatever it is, and this is what I should suggest you do. And it's some clear action points, boom, boom, boom. So you can pick it up you can put it down you can read the whole thing probably in a couple of hours like it's not heavy but it's really easy to action um and it's done really well so far so i'm really pleased with it
0: yeah i, I think everyone needs a little bit of a push and you know anything motivational is really really good you know i talked to andy ramage you know andy and, and uh, I, you know i don't think i've ever seen him in a low mood he's like always flying on the clouds you know but i i just think these kind of things that we do you know whatever it is podcast books or whatever people need help especially at the beginning uh and like dry january at the moment when this is being recorded there's a lot of people on board with that and i remember back in the day that it was just like a trend to do dry january but i think there's a big lifestyle movement going on now especially with people in their 20s my my son's 28 now and uh he rarely rarely drinks his mates don't really drink i think it's a really encouraging sign moving forward as well
1: yeah i do mate. i think we're we're almost the last of the heavy drinkers in our our generations because i think uh, my daughter's 13 and she's all about right TikTok. how she look how they look they've got such a different mindset to what we had and that like drink hasn't even featured and she's 13 and i'm thinking At 13, I was down the park having a couple of cans with my mates, and that's not it. She's nowhere near that. And I don't think anyone she ever sees or talks to is anywhere near that. So I think it is getting phased out. You only have to look at the alcohol free market, the beers, the select. I mean, that's telling you the picture of where it's all going to go. So we're in the right place to help the like mop up the last few people in our generation. But yeah, I agree with you. I think the generation's sort of almost gone. They're, They're heavy drinkers.
0: You've had a real trauma in your life that you've had to deal with move on from and the way you've turned your life around is incredible and what's happened you know your new wife and your new book and everything that's really really happening what would you say to people then that uh, have a dysfunctional relationship with alcohol or they're struggling you know like I've always said you don't have to be a really really heavy drinker to have an issue with alcohol you don't have to be that stereotypical person on the bench of a brown bloody bag you could be having a couple of glasses a night that's affecting your sleep or your anxiety or your presence with your kids and that. What advice would you give to people that are questioning their relationship?
1: I think, um, like I said before, give it give it a break, give it a breather of a certain amount of time. Like I could only do it at the start, three days. I built that up to sort of nearly two weeks towards the end before I gave up. And I think if you can do a couple of weeks off it, a week off it, even if you need to, you, you gotta judge it yourself. But while you do that, you've got to become someone else. There's no point sitting in the same house for the same person, eating the same dinner, watching the same shit on TV, but just not drinking. Cause that's just that ain't gonna work. You're always gonna get pulled back to your behaviors. You've got to make the most of the time because the time is the biggest thing you get back. You get the time back from thinking about drink, buying drink, preparing to drink, drinking, recovering from drink. You get all that time back. If you don't use that wisely, you're just gonna waste it. So don't be afraid to dream, don't be afraid to like think big plan something do take up a new hobby start exercising do other things that are going to help you in your life whilst taking a break from alcohol and at the end of it weigh it up yourself consciously like I said before as well consciously drink consciously don't drink see what's good for you but I think you only know that if you take a prolonged period of time and if it's a couple of weeks then it's not too scary
0: and what's your idea on moderation right because I think everyone knows mine
1: (laughs) yeah I mate. I see so many people say to me every day as I'm sure they do to you I'm all right I'll just have a glass here and there You know, I don't know whether that's true, and I don't know if that's fact or not. And I think I used to say I've only had two beers when I had about five. So I think people have got a skewed idea of what moderation is. But I think I've, you know, I'd I'd like to say ninety-five percent of people in the world just can't. It's impossible to moderate with with a drug because that's what it is at the end of the day. Yeah. Um, But there are probably people. There are a handful of people in the world that can and. You know, and but there are the people that don't really even talk about alcohol. It's literally like they'll drink yeah. a wedding or have one. on a Saturday night, they might have a glass every few weeks. But they they're not bothered. Their life's doing something else. Yeah. People talk about drinking rarely can moderate.
0: Do you know what my opinion is, Like right? You've got a line that we cross, whatever be um trauma as a child overindulgence, you know, I believe um, accumulative drinking plays a big part in it, coping, emotional coping strategies and that. And I believe that when you cross that line, there's just no going back. I think your brain learns the coping mechanism, uh, It gets used to the dopamine hit and whatever. And I think you can never cross. So like with my wife, she's never crossed that line. So as you said, it's never really been an issue in her life. It's a bit like if you said to me, Dave, I've got a tipple on a horse in the derby on Saturday. You've got to throw 100 quid at it. I, I wouldn't really be interested. Uh, I'm, I might bung a fiver on it if I could be bothered. But it's never been an issue in my life. And I think, with, as you say, if alcohol isn't an issue, then you don't really cross the line. Yeah. If it is and you cross that line, I just believe that's when you think right. I've 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 messed it up in a way. I remember my first podcast was with Mark Adderley and I asked him what advice he gave to his kids and he basically said, Don't fuck it up. and that's it in a nutshell right because that's what you and me have done you know and and, you know i'm always honest it'd be like i'd say you know i'd love to be able to drink i really really would but i have to accept that i can't and it's like i'm allergic to it because if i drank now everything would go like it would just be just everything i've built up would be destroyed so I just couldn't go back, and I've had to accept that, and that's taken some doing as well.
1: Yeah, mate, I agree. Like sometimes I just fantasize about just getting fucked and just thinking, like, oh god, going down all inclusive holiday and just drinking for two weeks flat by the pool, and then you just think, oh, it still goes through my mind as well. Of like maybe I could do it. Maybe I could just one holiday, and then I, you know quickly snap back. But those that, that's got a lot less less frequent over the years, over the, over the months, I should say. But yeah, I still think about it all the time, I wish I could drink, I miss drinking sometimes, I love to drink in many ways, but there's nothing better than when you align, I call this thing, when I teach on my masterclass, I call it a sobergasm, because I've had it a few times and people laugh when I say about it, but when you align, I've had it, I you align my sleep, so I get the right amount of sleep and good quality sleep. I've been moving my body. I've been eating highly nutritious foods. I've connected with people I love and I'm doing something that I enjoy. When I do all them things and tickle them boxes, I have this, I've had this mad feeling where you get like from your head to your toe, you feel this like tingle. And it's like, ultimately the same sort of tingle you get when you have your first drink, which is obviously an artificial release of dopamine mm-hmm. versus a real release mm-hmm. of dopamine. And that's ultimately why we drink, I think, because we're chasing that natural high that exists within us. Mm. Um, and that's why now, since I've had that, I'm like, now I know that that's there. I'm never going to go back the artificial way. I'm only going the natural way. And I want to even enhance that feeling and do more for myself as the years go on. So, yeah, that's, that's my feeling on it. How, how would you see that
0: then, doing more? Because it sounds to people listening to this that you're doing a lot.
1: Yeah, like I want to go down all sorts of routes. I want to go to like retreats. I want to learn about breath work, for example. I want to look into my health and like get blood tests. What am I short on? Like try and really work at each bit and try and really te- break everything down into sort of subsections and try and tickle them boxes. Because at the minute I'm going, right, my my movement is just have I been to the gym, yes or no. It's not what's my body fat levels or what's my cardiovascular levels. Yeah. It's just just a top, top line box check. Now I want to drill it down a bit, um, on every section, nutrition, movement, sleep, and just really get a bit further into the detail,
0: get the absolute best out of your life. And yeah, I mean, that's the part of me that is semi gutted that I'm 57 now and I haven't done it, but I, I kind of got, I suppose, a different journey ahead of me. Um, obviously I'll try now and look at my nutrition and my fitness levels and whatever, for me, I want to learn as much as I can to help as many as I can, not just with practical advice, but with my own knowledge, my own way of phrasing things. I work in analogies that people either love or hate, but they seem to work. And I genuinely feel I am exactly where I'm supposed to be right now. And I suppose that's that sobergasm thing you were talking about. It's <laughs> like when, when I get up and I think, do you know what? I'm really aligned with myself. And don't get me wrong, Matt, I have bad days, you know, that's the reality of it. I do have bad days and and I do sulk at times where, you know, there might be a big 40th on them where, where it's a free bar and stuff. And I'm like going through the motions thinking, yeah, do you know what? I can party sober and it's just as good. Because it is the connection's great, you know. You've you've held a, a thing on a boat, a party, and I've held four different events now, and and the connection is incredible. But they're all connections with people that aren't drinking. It's when you go out and everyone's drinking, and there there's a hundred percent part of me that wishes I could be drinking as well and, and getting messed up. You know, I'm always honest about that, but I can't, and that's where people struggle sometimes with that grieving period of. I do believe as well there should be a grieving period because if it's been something in your life that you've used to cope all your life, then it's important you have to let that go properly, you know? Mm. You can't just park that. Um, So I suppose that my my journey is further down the line from you, but I'm I'm kind of looking at it more of like, I want to be talking in huge conferences all over the world, you know? Just trying to help people because like you, you get messages probably every day saying, you know, what you've said yesterday has really helped me. And, that. and there's no better feeling in the world, is there, from someone reaching out like that.
1: No, there's not me. And I didn't know. I was missing that in my life. Like I said, I'd already, always worked hard and good jobs and earned decent money. And I thought I was doing all right. But actually I was missing, like I call like a loop. think of it like a loop. Um, and there's like a whole chunk missing I didn't know about. And once I got that first message of like, you really helped me, I was and that filled in the gap. I was like, hang on a minute, I've got this full circle completion now. And now that the giving back things like that's what motivates, you know, we don't get ultimately Instagram takes a lot of time and we're helping literally hundreds of people, if not thousands, every day for free, you know, in our own spare time, basically. that is because we love it and that's because we found this connection, that's because we found this reward that is given back to people. And that's why I'll continue to do it, and that's why I'll be speaking at global conferences with you around the world as well
0: hundred percent mate so is there going to be a book two
1: no book two yet i'm going to i've got a few things planned this i've got more i've got a couple of big events i'm going to do i want to do some events abroad as well i want to do an event in new york this year Um, and i'm flying i'm just going for it mate i'm going to do new york i'm going to do london again obviously um and yeah i've got uh, i'm going to do an app as well like i said to you before which is still in the process of doing. I just want to make sure I know what exactly that is and what it looks like before I sort of come out of, you know, in public about it, which I've just done. Um, but, <laughs> <laughs> um, but, yeah, there's more details on that to follow. But it's a, as you know, that's a very, 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 very lengthy process and yeah. a costly process as well.
0: But the thing is, right, that I think the overriding message here is that when you remove one thing from your life, it can open the doors... So many, and when you look at it in black and white like that, it's a
1: no-brainer, isn't it? It is, mate. It's a total no-brainer. But it's a drug, and it gets you by the bollocks, and it's hard to get out of because it's that instant reward thing. And we live in a world where you can swipe right and get a delivery, Saint Louis to door. You can get a date. You can get anything with a swipe. And doing the work is a lot harder than having a drink. And ultimately, like you said at the start, people have got to be ready to do it. But when you are, there's no looking back.
0: Good lad. Well, look, Matt, it's been a pleasure having you on, mate. And thank you for um, sharing your story as well. I know that can be difficult at times. And we've yet to meet yet, so let's sort that out. Um, in fact, take me to New York.
1: Yeah, well, I'll let you know about it. I'll give you all the dates, mate, I'll fly And then, um, we'll definitely, I've got an event coming up in April. I'd like you to be at as well, so we'll sort that out as well.
0: Good man. All right, Matt. Thank you so much. I'll put all your details in the show notes and that, and I will see you soon, mate. Thanks for having me, mate. See See you you later. later. Bye. I hope you've enjoyed today's episode of One for the Road. Please remember to subscribe and leave a review. You can now download my app Sober Dave on the Apple and Google Play Store, and on there you will find lots of tutorials, Tips and support to help you stop drinking. And there are also meditation audios, food plans, and chat forums. You can also find me on Instagram at SoberDave. Please remember to join me for next week's episode. But until then, thanks for listening and have a great week.